You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Edgers. I'm the national arts reporter at The Washington Post, and I'm so glad to be with you today. Um, today, we're going to be talking to the two stars of this uh, new eight-part limited series that uh, um, I usually see things by just talking into my remote control. But as I understand it, it premieres on Monday on National Geographic, and then the next day you'll see the episode on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's it's a, a fascinating eight-part series. Uh, it's called The Small Light, and why I call it fascinating is I thought I sort of knew this story. I grew up hearing it, and yet uh, we're learning so much more about it uh, from this. And uh, uh, I'd like to welcome uh, Bell Powley and Liev Schreiber uh, to the Washington Post Live. How are you today? Good, thank you. Great, thank thanks you. for having us. Oh, absolutely, and uh, your performances are 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 wonderful. Uh, I'm going to start out with a very easy question, um, I think. Um, and uh, Bell, I, I I saw you last. I remember in it was not a huge part, but it was an excellent part in King of Staten Island, and um, a little different, right? Um, and uh, Liev, I we know you as so many things. Ray Donovan, I I have this right here. I carry this with me everywhere. My my Marty Baron, um, and uh, having worked yeah. with him for years. Boston Globe and then the Washington Post. But tell tell me you two, uh, tell me what drew you to these uh, to these roles. And uh, Bell, you play Meep Geese, and I hope I'm pronouncing uh, these these names right. Uh, and you are the Dutch woman in in World War II who protected Anne Frank and the Frank family and and many others. And uh, Liev, you play uh, Otto Frank, the patriarch uh, and the father of of, of Anne Frank. Yes. Um, I, you know, obviously this is a part of history that everyone knows, um, you know, a bit about, you know, everyone knows about Anne Frank's diary and, you know, everyone knows about the Holocaust, but it's also part of history that I think has been rehashed a lot in film and television. So it was important to me that if I was going to take on this role, it had to kind of be different and fresh. And, you know, I was so blown away when I first read Tony and Joan's um, pilot about, I was blown away by how contemporary it felt and how um, relatable these people felt and how connected I felt to, 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 to me. And, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that's great. Bye. I think it was the same for me. I, I, I um, had just come off, as you mentioned, eight years of a television show and uh, not super eager to work, but I was spending time with my kids on the couch and trying to figure out how to explain the war in Ukraine to them. And this script came to me and I thought, well, that's a pretty great example of how these things find a way of repeating themselves and what, what, what sort of signs to look out for. Which I, w I want to circle back to because it's very important. Um, I do want to show um, a clip of uh, how you two interact on during this uh, series. Um, and this is where uh, Eep is meeting Otto and applying for a job, um, if we could play that. Football assistant. Mm -hmm. My school team, I, sp I sprained my ankle, so I helped the coach. I was uh, hoping for someone with a bit more secretarial experience. Well, I had to keep track of the schedule, so it had um, secretarial elements. 
As you can see, I'm new to the language and the local customs, so it's important for me to... Ich kann gut verstehen, wie Sie sich befinden. Ich komme aus Wien. Wir haben keinen Akzent. Ich wollte nicht auffallen, also habe ich den Akzent schnell verlehnt. Which shows that I'm a fast learner. I'm sure you are. And once we're up and running, we'll need more people, so why don't you come back in a few months? My parents are going to make me marry my brother if I don't get a job. But it, it, it's not as bad as it sounds. I'm adopted, uh, but still. Would you want to marry your brother? We don't answer that. I mean, I don't even know if you have a brother, but... I don't mean it literally, I just, I just mean I'm, I'm desperate. So what I love about that scene, um, and I think I love about uh, your performance here on this, Belle, is that um, I did not come into an eight-part series on the uh, anything involving Anne Frank thinking, boy, uh, the comedy within, right? And um, But your performance is wonderful in that way. It's not as if you're doing stand-up, but um, it is funny and, and entertaining in that way, and it brings something different to it. I'd love to hear about that, and also I'd love to hear how you two um, found interacting as uh, together when you were acting together. Listen, I think you know Meep was, and I learned this from kind of reading her book a few times. She wrote a book, Anne Frank Remembered, which was like her first-hand account on the events, and you do really get a sense of like she was a very vivacious, funny, confident, outspoken um, woman, and. You know, when we meet her in 1933, she was just kind of like an every woman. Like, she's a young lady that I think we can all relate to. You know, she was newly in love. She was going out and partying too much with her best friend. She was looking for a job. She was a bit directionless. And I think, you know, that relatability is a great way into, like, getting people to connect to this story um, in a in a new way. Um, and in terms of, like, the, the, the comedy in it and the funniness, whatever, like, you know, tragedy doesn't exist without comedy. And I think that if we'd played this show out in a really kind of like heavy handed, really just depressing way, like that's not true to life. And we know the overarching facts, like we know six million Jews were killed. We, you know, we know what Hitler did. Like, we, you know, we, we, we've learned about all of that. We know about the past history, but this is about humanizing these people. And, you know, we all lived through the pandemic. It was a horrible situation for everyone, but I'm sure everyone can relate to, you know, trying to find lightness in that and laughter. And I think, yeah, that's what we were trying to do here with that kind of balance of, you know, funny moments in this very um, tragic story. I think that makes it more like real life. I think you also have to remember that the, the characters don't know the end of their story. You know what I mean? I mean, at this point in their lives, they're doing nothing more complicated than trying to meet someone and decide whether or not they're going to be a good employee. So it, it's not this. This hasn't cracked up to be the Holocaust just yet, and that I think it's a very smart way to to, to think about something like this because it, it it does like like Bell said, it really humanizes it. My first day, and, and to, to speak to your question about uh, what it was like interacting with each other was probably one of the worst first days I have ever had in my entire career. I had an inch and a half of silicone makeup on top of my head. It was the middle of summer. I'm wearing very, very heavy wool clothes. And I'm not entirely sure that I know what I'm doing. But I walked into a cake shop where Belle and I had our first scene. 
And literally within 30 seconds of acting with her, I, I relaxed and I knew that if, if she was gonna, if she was gonna be driving the ship, we were gonna do okay. It just, it felt like there was a spontaneity, there was humor, there was um, also just exchange. It's like sometimes acting at its best is like tennis. And when someone hits the ball back well, can receive spin and return with spin, it, it just, it feels like magic and fun. And then that was that experience very quickly. I knew that it was going to be a good one. You know, I, um, I'll just tell you as an aside, you can shave that, you know. Yeah. It, no, I, I, we have, I, we have said that. Where were you six months ago? <laughs> it's like, easier. Like, no, 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 there is a the fear that it won't, you, you have to worry that it won't return. You, you two, you're both, uh, um, uh, Jewish and, uh, I am as well. And, um, I am not, really ritualistically practicing, but I grew up as a conservative Jewish kid in Boston area, went to Hebrew school, was educated, you know, in my early 50s, always was seeing films of the Holocaust, reading books, reading night. And uh, it's interesting because I have two children of my own, and I find that as time passes from with everything, um, it's easy to forget things. I used to always hear that from older people, never forget. And I was like, why are they telling me this? But I get it now. I mean, many people don't know what 9-11 is really anymore. And I'd be curious because, um, you know, uh, Bell, you're in your, you're, I think you're in your early 30s. Uh, Liev, you're around my age. Um, how do you deal with, not to highlight it, but how do you deal with the idea of um, what this means to remembering history, making it relevant, and why we need this history, that it's not just simply something that's in you know, a museum somewhere. Well, if you do a good job, I think it, it's relevant. Because I, I, um, I think that's part of what narratives do, is they, they give us context for our lives. I think it's especially important now because of what's happening in the world and how, uh, you know, the, the worst refugee crisis in history, probably. Uh, we have a ground war in, in, in Europe, in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine, um, and, and, and pretty divisive political scene all over the place. Authoritarian regimes are popping up. And I think it's important that we remind ourselves how we dealt with these things in the past, because I think those, some of those solutions, certainly the, 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 the routes that people like me Peace shows mm. are truly extraordinary and worth reminding ourselves that we're capable of that. Um, yeah, it's really hard to uh, and 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 Bell, I'm sure you've studied and thought about Meep quite a bit. Um, it's amazing in a small light that you think about how willing people are to be terrible and to do things you never thought could be done, and then you think about how willing people are to do things that seem beyond our capacity for, uh, you know, thinking of other people and the charitable nature within us that sometimes we can tap into. And I, I, I'm just, I'd love to hear about how you thought about that character and if you could, how you could feel what she might have felt in those scenes where she's risking her life for somebody else, somebody in some cases she's never even really known before. 
Well, I think the important thing for me to remember is that she did she didn't want us to see it as a really huge heroic act. You know, her kind of mantra until the day she died was, you know, I'm not you don't have to be special in order to help others. It's where the title of our show comes from. It was a quote that she ended all of her talks with. She say, no one should ever think they have to be special to help others. Anyone, even an ordinary secretary, housewife or teenager can turn on a small light in a dark room. And if I kind of put her on a pedestal and thought of her as this like big, unachievable hero, I think, A, that would be doing her a disservice, but also would make it much harder for me to play her. It was a much easier route in for me to, you know, see her as this kind of every woman and remember that she wanted everyone to see a bit of themselves in her. She wanted me to see a bit of myself in her. Um, yeah, I think that made it much more achievable for me. Otherwise, it would have been too overwhelming, I think. And also, yeah, wouldn't have been respecting kind of what she, how she wanted us to see her. What did you, what did you both do as far as researching your characters? Because I assume that there's a lot of material out there on these characters. And I'm always interested, it's like a musician. I sometimes hear musicians say, I don't listen to any music while I'm writing or recording. And then others, I hear them talk about all their references and everything. And uh, I, I'd be curious about how you dealt with the real figures who were behind these performances. Yeah, I get that. Like, I find it not helpful to, like, watch other movies about, like, Anne Frank, for example, or watch too many other films about this time period. Because then, I, you know, you don't want to do, like, a copycat thing. You want to kind of have your own interpretation. Um, there isn't actually that much, or there isn't any, there's like one video of her making jam <laughs> like at the age <laughs> that I'm playing her. You know, all the other footage of her is her much later in life. So that kind of was, that that wasn't an issue. Um, and she did write her own book, Anne Frank Remembered, which is kind of her own first-hand take on the event. She wrote that in like the 80s. I read that cover to cover a few times because I do you do kind of get a sense of her, like just like a vivaciousness in her soul through this like first hand take on it. And I also made sure I went to Amsterdam. That was the first thing I did. I mean, also it was like, you're going to, it was fun. Um, but I'd never been to the Anne Frank house and, um, you know, I got a private tour of it and, um, yeah, that was, you know, obviously really invaluable. And I also cycled a lot of Meep cycle routes. I cycled her route to work and I visited her old apartment and I visited my way to plane and um, the Frank's old apartment and just kind of immersed myself in this kind of iconic city. Um, but beyond that, for me, like, you know, acting is present and, you know, at the end of the day, even though it's a true story, like we're telling a story and we're playing a scene. So the most important thing was, you know, working on the script at hand and the narrative that we were telling and like, you know, playing the scene with Liev, you know, there's so much, of course, you need to do a certain amount of research as a matter of respect and also like, you know, you need to like, you were born on February 15th, like all the things that like make you feel like a whole person. But beyond that, for me, it's, it's, the, it's the presence of being in the scene that is the most important thing. Hmm. Yeah, I'd I like to hear from you too, huh? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the folks at the Anne Frank house were really generous with us and there's tons of footage and documentation on auto. Um, uh, as well as uh, a book and, and two docs. Um, the piece that caught my interest was, there were two things. Uh, one was the material that uh, Otto didn't want published in Anne's diary. Uh, and the other was 
uh, how proud Otto was to be German, that a big part of his identity was, was tied into being German. He'd served in their military. He was uh, a, a, um, a banker, and um, he really loved his life. And uh, I think that that piece of not being able to be German was very hard for him, was that his Jewishness prevented him from being German. And I, and I thought that that made a lot of sense to me as, a, as an inroad to a character, um, which was part of why you know, we leaned into the dialect so hard and, and made the dialect specifically non-Yiddish and much more sort of traditional Hamburg kind of uh, sound. Um, uh, as far as the, the stuff that I found most interesting about um, their time in the attic, um, the attic um, was knowing how much they were struggling as a family and, 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 and the things that uh, Anne had written that, that Otto didn't want in the diaries about her parents fighting and, and imagining being in that sort of situation with someone where you where you can't be alone to work something out or talk something through uh for almost two years um was just just it, it, it was a really captivating uh idea it made it feel very human to me or or much more intimate than i would just you know the notion of a guy who's i guess the the, the trope is that the lengths that otto frank went through to protect his family when in reality it was much juicier than that. It was much more complex and human and full and uh, as li like you referred to, like the humor in the first scene. Why shouldn't those people have humor? Why shouldn't those situations be awkward? And I think bringing some of that kind of Teutonic control to the character, I think, allows for the kind of comedy that you get when, when you have this sort of very dynamic young woman coming in and taking control. <laughs> um. You know, we, you alluded to it earlier, but we have real-world events that we think about. Uh, we, we obviously are thinking about this crisis with, um, I mean, we have a refugee crisis all over the world, but it's been highlighted in, in recent years. And then also we have what's going on in, in the Ukraine. And I know, um, Liev, I, I think people... I, people sometimes think you're from there, and it's your, it's your grandfather on your mother's side who emigrated from there is that correct I, I, yes and my mother's grandparents but, but you've been I'm very American. involved in this uh you've been very involved you have an organization now i'd like to hear a little bit about what what what's going on with you there and um and how that connects to this you know if, if you've i assume you've thought about that connection yeah um some friends and I started uh, uh, an organization called Blue Check Ukraine, which is um, basically fast-tracking financial aid to financial support to uh, NGOs, mostly Ukrainian, on the ground in Ukraine who are su supplying humanitarian aid where, where it's needed. We work with an international law firm called Ropes and Gray who vets and verifies everybody so uh, people know where their money is going and exactly what it's doing. Um, it came, it was a result of a, a friend calling me and asking me if I wanted to uh, do anything with them uh, in terms of telling the stories of people. And I, at that point, I'd been watching the war on the couch with my kids, and I, I really didn't feel like telling the story or, or anything dramatic or theatrical or interpretive made sense. And I sort of said to them in no uncertain terms, look, if you want to help, just send money. And 
And then a guy called back and, and, and gave me some ideas about how we could do that. And, and I jumped on board. Um, it was around uh, after my first trip, not my first trip, because it's probably my third trip. After my, I'd been there a few times before to shoot as well, because I made a film about Ukraine. And uh, after that uh, third trip, um, I got this script. And it, it occurred to me that this was a really, really extraordinary way to, um, to touch the, those themes of why it's so important that we remember in America what's happening in Ukraine and how profoundly it, it affects us, our, our democracy, and for that matter, all of, all of Western Europe and the world. Um, I, it, you know, the, it's a hard time, obviously, as people know in Ukraine, and as, uh, as support and political uh, opinions and ideas waver in this country, it, 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 it gets lost a little bit in the conversation. And I think for me, reading this script and hearing Meep's story reminded me uh, of the humanity and, and, and the lives that are at stake right now in Ukraine. Yes. Um, and I, I want to, um, uh, we don't have very much more time and I do really, uh, I just got to say I love Bell's performance. So I want to go back to that. Um, I want to show another clip which allows us to see some of the drama here. Um, uh, we have a second clip, which is kind of like a uh, intro to the to the series. If we could show that, I want to go too. No, she'll go later with us. Why can't I go now? Because we decided, Anne, you would go with us later. You never consult me on anything, Margaret. Do you know where we're going? Anne, please, not now. We, we really have to go. I don't know either, Anne. Well, goodbye then. No, no, no. We're Anne. not saying goodbye because we'll see you soon. How soon? Don't worry, in a few hours. So the hiding place is in town? Well, you really are a pain in the ass. So are you. Can you go and get your sister's coat, please? Listen to me, darling. It's just an ordinary bike ride, okay? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> That's better. And remember... I know. Do what, do what me says. Good girl. So, Belle, I want to ask you, you, you um, it, it's clear from what you uh, described you took this role very seriously. You did the kind of research you did not have to do. You read this book multiple times. You're riding the bike around. But um, you're also a trained actor. And I assume that um, there are things you do when you come to a performance to also turn that material off and to realize, hey, I'm not doing a history lesson here. I'm also trying to bring the energy and beauty to this character so people are captivated. Does it become harder when you've done that research? And and how do you go, ah, you know what, I'm just gonna be really compelling in this moment, and I'm gonna figure out how to perform this rather than be saddled by everything I know now? Um, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying before. Like, I think that's why it was important not to get bogged down in too much research, just to pick and choose a couple of things that you utilize. Because as I was saying, at the end of the day, it's the present, in the scene that's really going to make it lift off the page. Um, what was really helpful for me is that Tony and Joan, our creators, were going for this kind of tonally, like, modern vibe. So we didn't have to speak in, like, olden day speak. I never know what the word for that is. Like, olden time speak. Olden time language. Old-timey talk. <laughs> old, old time, old time, old, I call I it old-timey hobo language. Yeah, yeah. that. We didn't have to speak in that language. Which made it so much more. It made it so much easier to just connect with the scene and the character, and also made it easier to like 
be organic and natural and like improvise around it a little bit. Like our, our director, Susanna Fogel, and our EP, and she directed the first three episodes, she always let us have, you know, a couple takes at the end of every scene where we could just kind of say what we wanted and not speaking in olden day worldy language uh, made that much easier to do. And yeah, for me, I've, you know, often felt quite distanced from period pieces when I'm both watching them and when I'm in them. And with this, you know, attacking it in that kind of like modern, tonally modern way um, made it much easier to feel connected to it. But beyond that, like, you know, the presence in the scene also just comes from working with other incredible actors, like working with Liev, working with Joe, like Billy's performances and like, you know, everyone really tapped into the humanity of these characters. And yes, there's gravitas and yes, it's like an important, intense, Part of history and it's set against this like massive political backdrop but like it's also about so many relatable things you know it's about marriage you know my, mine and joe scenes like really were this kind of like home base for me um it's about parenting you know it's a coming of age story and it's accessing this character through those kind of very relatable channels is what made is is, is how i kind of yeah how i approach the work i guess um uh, we have, you know, I, I don't get a lot of uh, viewer mail, so I've got one right here. I wrote it down. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question from a woman named Catherine Ziegler from Florida. And uh, she asks, what's the most difficult part of trying to accurately portray how to protect the Frank family? Um, there we go. I think that's the expectation or the responsibility, you know, it was the same sort of thing with with playing Marty. You know, you you have all of these people who who uh, expect something very uh, particular, and that can change in the millions of people who why they all may expect something different. So, I, I my way out of that is just to kind of try to remember that what we're primarily responsible for is the narrative that we've been handed, and 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 our character is designed specifically to fill a certain element of that narrative. Mm. But I think you, you have to get over that because it can really be crippling, the pressure of, um, I remember when we went to the Anne Frank house and there was this guy who was one of the you know foremost academics on the Frank family and everything. And he looked at me and you know I'd promised everybody I would lose a lot of weight to play Otto, but of course I didn't do it. And the guy looked at me and he immediately went, Lotto Frank. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's tough. But did he really do that? I mean, come on, yes, that's yeah, terrible. And the whole tour, he was making jokes to me. The whole, which I, I really appreciated. Yeah. It, it got a bit much after a while, but we would like go to one room and he'd be like, "Auto XN." And he'd be like, "Wow, okay, I'm gonna try to lose a little more weight. You don't need to rub it in." Yeah, <laughs> um, Leah, I'm wondering. Uh, I'm sure there are things you haven't had your children watch that you've made over the years. Um, is there something, do you think you'll have them watch this? Is there something to the idea of it? I don't know what education you've given them at home on the, on these historical moments. I know they're probably very in tune with it. Should they watch it? Do you want them to? I think Joan and Tony were very intentional about how they made this, that there wasn't a tremendous amount of violence in it, uh, unnecessary. Uh, because I really do feel that they feel it's 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 an important learning tool as well, and I, I would agree with that. I, I do think it's important that we find interesting and compelling ways to retell these stories because 
it, it turns out that we still need to hear them. Um, so I absolutely uh, will encourage my kids to watch it, whether or not they'll actually listen to me because they assume that anything that I'm in is probably pretty <laughs> boring. Um, uh, we won't know, but but I would absolutely encourage. Yeah, it's very, uh, it, it's, it's really, uh, I've only seen two episodes, so I've seen the first two episodes, but I think one thing that's sort of enlightening is we're used to hearing everything about Anne Frank. It's, it's, she is the centerpiece to this story, and it's uh, wonderful to see that there's another story here and there's another way in that's, uh, that's just as compelling, you know? Um, yeah, I think that behind-the-scenes so, element is really great, mm. that you, you really do feel like a fly on the wall seeing it from each perspective. Yeah. And also knowing that, you know, we wouldn't, they wouldn't have, Otto wouldn't have survived. This, the, the diaries wouldn't have existed if it weren't for Meep Peace. And I don't think many people, history yeah. sort of owes her a little bit of a debt in that regard. What was going on the other side of the bookcase? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, um, it's been a pleasure talking with you both. I, I so appreciate it. I loved uh, watching these first two episodes, and I'm I'm going to look forward to seeing the uh, remaining six. And um, thank you so much for being here um, on Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.